You're listening to From Passion to Profit, a show about female entrepreneurs who have built their businesses from the ground up and turned their passion into profit. These episodes share their most inner working thoughts, their journey, triumphs, and challenges. Whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, these women have valuable advice and insights to share. If you want to turn your passion into profit, this podcast is for you. I'm very excited to introduce you to Jordan Shonda King. This episode is probably one of my top favorite episodes because her story is truly like none other. However, even though her story is so unique, there is a plethora of lessons and instances that we can all relate to and learn from. I've had the privilege of being an adjunct professor within Jordan's signature program, Scaling School, and let me tell you, Jordan truly goes above and beyond to make sure that the experience her clients feel are top-notch. Her expertise as a multi-passionate serial entrepreneur really shines in all that she does. This is part one of a two-part series, so make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for next week's episode as well. I can't wait for you to listen to her story, and hopefully, once you reach the end of the episode, it will inspire you to go after what you want and turn your passion into profit. Jordan, I am so excited to listen and hear and learn more about your business because you have a very unique business model and just unique business in general. I, you know, I downloaded your service guide and I'm so excited and intrigued for you to tell more about it, but especially telling the story about how you built this business and why, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of reasons and stories about how you've kind of settled into the business model that you have now. So yeah, take us back. Have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Mm, that's um, that's a tough one. Probably not just because I didn't really know what that was. I actually wanted to be a lawyer when I was young. That's what I thought I wanted to be, even though I didn't actually know what that meant. Mm. Um, I knew that I liked to probably like uh debate people and <laughs> like have yeah. conversations with people and talk a lot but no I, I didn't even know what entrepreneurship was but I was definitely I was definitely the the kid that was always organizing things like coordinating things like hey let's mm-hmm. do a let's do this kind of party let's do uh this club let's like start a new club at our school that's all about whatever you know so yeah that was very much me yeah so it was in you like the entrepreneurial spirit the one who's like spearheading passion projects like that was always a part of you but you just never thought about how that would manifest essentially yeah i always tell people that i i like to boss people around that's a superpower (laughs) i know that's terrible but i love it i love that (laughs) yeah i mean you gotta own it right like you can't shy away from that at all Yeah. yeah okay so what um before you started your first business, what were you doing then? Did you end up going to law school? 
no, I did not. No, I, I am a total nerd. I'm like a math nerd. So I, no, I did not go to law school. Um, I actually, I love people though. I'm like super interested in like why we do what we do. And so I got my, mm -hmm. my degree in psychology and then statistics because math nerd. Oh, wow. But um, I actually, I was like very, very passionate, I would say in my teen years and my 20s w about sustainability. So I also had a minor in sustainability. So I ended up working in mm. higher education, sustainability in higher education, and then working at various nonprofits for about a decade after I, I graduated from, from college. So I was in the nonprofit world. Most people I feel like go from corporate to, to entrepreneurship, but I went nonprofit to entrepreneurship. Yeah. No, I love that because my um, my first kind of freelance gig in marketing was for an, a nonprofit corporation, um, and there's it's de definitely very different from yes, corporate life. Definitely. So, what were the types of things that you were doing then? I was mostly coordinating programs and projects, so like very similar to what I get to do now. Um, yeah, but it just at a different level. So, I was very very fortunate that at all of my jobs, I was given a lot of, I was given a, like pretty much free reign over my position. So I could, I could do a lot of things from scratch. I got to use that entrepreneurial spirit and I, I, I got to use those skills, which I know is not always the case with a nine to five. Um, mm -hmm. So I was doing a lot of like ideation and coming up with projects and how are we actually going to tackle this and trying to improve things behind the scenes. So very similar. Jordan's early interest in becoming a lawyer, despite not fully understanding what it entailed, is a fascinating glimpse into her innate desire for debate, conversation, and leadership. This highlights a common thread among many entrepreneurs, the early signs of their future path. It's intriguing how Jordan's childhood activities, like organizing events and starting clubs, were early indicators of an entrepreneurial spirit. So you'd been doing that for 10 years and then you wanted to start your first business. What made you go into entrepreneurship after being in the nonprofit sector of a nine to five lifestyle for 10 years? Mm -hmm. So I actually have a very overlapping journey with my entrepreneurial journey, overlapping with what I did after college. So this is actually my third business. And my first business I started just a couple of years after I had gotten out of college and it was accidental. My first business and my second business I started accidentally <laughs> because there was just like a gap. There was a need. There was a problem. And so I ended up starting a business to create the solution or having already created the solution and then realizing like I could sell this. So um, that I, I had a side hustle. I had a business for pretty much that entire 10 years. Mm. And what were they? Yeah. The first one was called Scholar Prep. It was a college and scholarship prep business. Okay. And I started that with my mom, which was really cool. Oh. And we started it for my brother, which was also super cool because uh, mm -hmm. I had gotten a lot of money for college when I when I applied and I applied for a bunch of scholarships and I did all of the things I, my mom and I are super organized. So we had kept track of everything and 
we even still having felt like we kind of knew a lot going into the process still had like it was very overwhelming we had a lot of issues we had just like a lot of things that we wish we had done differently and we had this unique perspective because i had done that and my mom was serving on local scholarship review boards. So she was seeing, she was actually seeing applications come in, right? So we just had this really cool combined experience and perspective. And my brother is almost a decade younger than me. So that's why after I got out of college and he was starting high school, it was like, okay, we we know what we did and we know what we wish we would have done differently. Let's put together a system I'm big on systems. Let's put together a system that will actually help him prepare for college and scholarship applications while he's still in high school. Uh, and so we just started showing that around to people and we kept getting questions like, wait, 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 isn't this something that the school is doing for our kids? And we were like, no, no, you have to do this yourself. Uh, so we started selling these um these like info sessions and books and we ended up publishing a book and uh, creating this like physical organizer is what we called it and uh, yeah it just took off from there. Jordan's entrepreneurial journey is a testament to the power of spotting gaps and creating solutions. Her story of starting businesses accidentally underscores a fundamental entrepreneurial skill. Identifying needs and problems in the market and innovatively addressing them. This journey from recognizing a gap to building a business around it is an inspiring example for aspiring entrepreneurs, illustrating how often the best business ideas are born out of everyday challenges and needs. That is so cool. So you were juggling that while you were um, working full-time in a nonprofit. Yep. So what happened afterwards? Did you guys end up selling the company um, or you closed it down? Yeah, I I got to do a lot of really cool things in that very first business. I call that my my real world MBA, which I think is I something that. I heard from Tim Ferriss. I don't know if he actually coined it, but I usually <laughs> give him credit for things um, <laughs> like that. But it could have been someone else. But I got to do a lot of different things because you got to remember, I was like early 20s when I started this business. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anything about online business. That like wasn't really a thing. That you know that was over a decade ago. I, no one was talking about that that much, and yeah. so we were just doing like grassroots local stuff. And then it kind of like evolved into oh well we should sell these online. Okay, well how do you sell online? Okay, you have to create an email list supposedly, whatever that means. I, I that was back then. I, I seriously remember so vividly talking about like oh, okay we need to like build an email list and my mom and I were doing this we were doing this research we we're like oh well you can like buy an email list that was like a thing that we thought was like how you did yeah. it you know we we didn't know we didn't know anything um and then started to learn about well you have a lead magnet you have a freebie and people give you your e their email for it and then you like sell them stuff via email it just it mm -hmm. feels so crazy to think to like try to like put myself back into that place and realize that I didn't know any of this stuff that I talk about literally all day, every day now. It's just, it's kind of surreal, but um, really learned a ton about business in general, but online business in particular, and then actually ended up buying my mom out of her half mm. of the business uh, about halfway through. So I owned that business for seven or eight years. And so about halfway through, I bought her out 
because I really, I really wanted to like make it my own and like do a bunch of like different stuff. I wanted to create a course. I wanted to do all these different things online. You know, she was like, look, you just Mm go do that. She's like, I don't have any desire to like relearn all of this stuff. Like you go do it. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And eventually, um, we, we did all of those things, did coaching, get, did consulting, did service-based stuff. I, I got to experiment a lot with this business. And then I ended up selling the brand, all of the IP, um, like the logo, which was trademarked, um, all of the physical assets, because we had actual inventory of these books, I sold all of that to a nonprofit. Um, mm. So that was a really cool thing to get to experience too. Jordan's description of her first business as a real-world MBA beautifully captures the essence of learning through doing. This is a powerful reminder that while formal education has its place, there's an invaluable education to be gained through real-world experiences, especially in the entrepreneurial world. Yeah, that is really cool. I'd love to dive even deeper into that. So what was the process like when you, or tell if you can remember, of like initially thinking, all right, let's sell this business after putting in so much effort, time, sweat, tears probably yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the past yeah. like eight years. This was this was really tough, um, especially because I felt like I had I, – I don't know if anyone listening can resonate to this, and I've felt like this a couple of times in businesses, but I remember it so vividly. It was like I feel like I'm on the cusp of something, but I just can't quite get it to where I want to take it, you know? And I was getting really frustrated and I kept coming back to the fact that I was having a really difficult time with the marketing. And and one of the things that I was finding to be extremely difficult was I didn't know my ideal client. I Yes, I was so I was selling to high school students and their parents. That was my ideal client. And I was mostly selling to the parents, obviously, because they're the ones mm-hmm. that are paying for these things, but a little bit of selling to high school students too. And mm-hmm. so I had been a high school student, but I had I hadn't been a high school student for a very long time. I didn't remember what that was like. And I had never been a parent of a high school student. I wasn't even a parent. I have two kids now, but I wasn't a parent mm-hmm. when I had that business. And so I was like, I just don't. I don't understand what is important to them. Like I genuinely don't get it. I can't put myself in their shoes. I don't understand it. And I eventually decided like, I know that someone can do something amazing with this business and it's my baby. And I I have like, I have poured so much into it, but I've also gotten so much out of it. Like I knew mm-hmm. I had learned so much. I was like, I just want to give this to somebody who's going to actually do something with it. And I, I, was very fortunate that I had a, I had built a pretty big email list. I had built a really fantastic network. I did a lot of like collaboration based marketing with other people in the space that were adjacent to me. And so I just put it out to my network. I was like, look, I want to sell this. And I, I met with several people, I would say close to a dozen people to talk to them about this. And I remember one person was like, oh yeah, like we, we kind of just want to buy your email list and like the different stuff. And I was like, no, no, mm -mm, that's not, that doesn't feel good to me. I want someone who actually wants what I've created and then what they want to like do more with it. And so it was really cool to be able to sell it to a nonprofit that I knew was going to do, they were going to do good work with what I had created, you know? Jordan's struggle to connect with their ideal client, parents of high school students, highlights a common challenge in entrepreneurship deeply understanding your audience, 
This probably resonates with the many entrepreneurs who have faced the difficulty of marketing to a demographic they don't personally relate to. Here, we learn that successful business isn't just about having a great product or service, but also about truly understanding and connecting with the needs and motivations of your customers. The decision to sell the business, born out of the recognition that someone else could potentially take it to greater heights, is a profound lesson in entrepreneurial humility and wisdom. Jordan's journey at this point illustrates the importance of recognizing one's own limits and being open to the idea that letting go can be the best decision for the business's future. This speaks to the bittersweet process of parting with a venture that one has nurtured and grown. And so I actually am curious, how are you able to juggle a nine to five and grow that business out to the point of like, it could be sold to another another um, organization? Um, I am a workaholic. That's like the only answer that I have. Like that's, I, I, I would go to work. Yeah. And then I would come home and I would be on my computer until 3 a.m. Like, I mean, you know, I was like 20, 25. Like I, I, that's all I did. I didn't have kids. I didn't have a lot going on. Like it was fun for me. It still is. Like I, I genuinely, genuinely enjoy what I do on a daily basis, which makes it very easy to like, work too much so that's like one thing I have to really like keep an eye on and balance now that I do have kids and I have other things I want to do and I know that that's like not super healthy right but yeah that's that's the real answer (laughs) yeah no I love it it's so honest and true I sometimes think about how when I was 25 actually more when I was like 21 um I was like in my senior year of college I had was I was starting my business at the time while simultaneously having like three part-time jobs and one my background is in human biology and so I was like a clinical research assistant full-time and in school full-time like what was I on that I could accomplish all those things I mean I definitely was a workaholic too yeah yeah yeah, I was getting my master's at the same time too so like yeah yeah, it was it's just a stupid amount of stuff that I was doing It, it was not healthy (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of that, you then started a second business. Uh How did that um, come to happen? Yeah. So I'm from the the Midwest. That's where I was born and raised. I'm actually in the process of moving back to the Midwest right now. And I lived in a a city-ish. It's not a very big city. And there was not a lot of support for, for entrepreneurship generally, but specifically for female entrepreneurs, it just wasn't really a thing. It wasn't that cool back then. Uh, Even when it started to get cooler, because this was maybe like, what now, 2018 when I started my second business and 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. So this was like five years ago. Online entrepreneurship, female entrepreneurship was becoming cooler for sure, but it's still in in a size of the city that I was in. It's not like there were groups. There weren't like meetups for female entrepreneurs. That wasn't a thing. So I was going to networking events is what I was going to, like local networking events or like women, uh, like events um, locally and ended up meeting a gal who is still a good friend of mine. And we both, we both just hit it off immediately and started kind of talking about this slash complaining about the fact that there wasn't a good space for us. She was trying to start a business too. And we're like, well, maybe we just can put a group together. Like, let's just do it. Let's put a group together. 
and support each other and see what happens. And that then turned into a business, you know? So we started doing in-person business masterminds and we did that for a couple of years and eventually took it online and started teaching other women how to create more generally really powerful group programs because we were just seeing both within what we were doing, how powerful they could be, but also in groups that we were participating like online, how powerful these group situations, these group containers could be. So we started teaching women how to do that and ended up creating a course and all kinds of stuff. Jordan's experience in a city with limited support for female entrepreneurs, especially a few years ago, sheds light on the challenges women often face in the entrepreneurial world. This underscores the importance of community and support systems in entrepreneurship, particularly for underrepresented groups. Jordan's initiative to create such a group for female entrepreneurs with a friend, which eventually evolved into a business, is an inspiring example of turning a gap in the market into an opportunity. Think about how you can build communities and businesses by addressing unmet needs. How shortly after did you start this business after you sold the other business? I started this business while I was still running the other business. <laughs> I love I it. I like to do a I lot of it. things. <laughs> so you said that this was 2018, 2017, right? Yeah, somewhere around okay. in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, when did you sell your first business? I started, I think it was around 2018 that I started looking for someone to sell to, it was a long process. And it was like mm -hmm. 2019 when I finally, I don't remember if it was the end of 2019 or the beginning, it might've been the beginning of 2020 when I finally like signed the paperwork. It was a very long drawn out thing, yeah. the contracts and like the vetting all of the different people. And like, it was just, mm -hmm. it, it took forever. It took way longer than I thought it was going to take. And interestingly enough, by that time, by the time I actually signed the papers, uh, I was pregnant. And so it was like really, really mm. cool to be like, oh, like I'm selling my baby so that I can focus on my new baby. Oh. It was really, really cool. Yeah. It's like a total full circle moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. I'm like just taking all this in that there was so many <laughs> different things <laughs> happening all at once. I don't know how, like, did you feel overwhelmed at all during this whole time? Um. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that I must have. It's, it, it's, uh, it's different though. Like when I think about what I do now, this business that I run now, to be honest, feels like the first legitimate business because like I'm full time mm. in this business. I've never had another job while I've been doing this business. It's just been, yeah. this is going to be how I make money. This is the only thing that I work on. And so that, that, approach and experience of running a business that I'm in now is just so night and day different than how it was then. Like you just, you couldn't approach things the same way. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, was it overwhelming? Probably at times, but there was never like, oh, I'm working full-time and I'm doing a business full-time and I'm also doing this other business on the side full-time. It was, it, it made sense at the time. And it was like, I'm mm -hmm. only doing what I can do, like what I've got bandwidth for at any given moment. So yeah. it just kind of worked, you know, and especially yeah. in that last like year or two of scholar prep of my first business, I wasn't really doing much. I was just getting things fixed up for the sale. You know, I wasn't like doing mm -hmm. a bunch of new stuff. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. 
So both businesses, you had, I guess, like a co-founder, like a co, yep. you know, mm-hmm. um, CEO. What is what is that like working with someone from the ground up? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very it's a very interesting thing that I've had to business partnerships. It's not, I I don't think, I don't think that's the typical trajectory for most people in entrepreneurship to start with a business partnership, let alone to then do another one. And then finally, as your third business, do a solo venture. So it's a different kind of trajectory, but it really worked. It really worked for me because, um, especially in those first two businesses, I didn't have a ton of confidence. I didn't have a ton of know-how when it came to business, especially the first one. But even with the second one, I found that I just, I I hadn't really found what it was that I knew and like felt good that I like felt good about bringing to the table. I hadn't really like figured that out at that point in my life, you know? And so it was, it was nice it was comforting. I think is like the best word I could use to describe it. It was comforting to have a co-founder because it wasn't all on me. It wasn't just me who was having to figure it out. It was, mm. if it was more fun. if anything, it was more fun and it was comforting and it was just, um, it was never this, I don't know, the stakes didn't feel as high, I guess, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that's, if that's like a combination of everything that was happening with like, you know, because you weren't only just running that business. Um, you had a co-founder, you had a, you had the nonprofit nine to five, you were in between like scholar prep. And so it was like, yeah, it was a, definitely a very comfortable moment in life, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I still had like really high expectations, but but I didn't have not the same that as I do now, which is like, this is how I make money. <laughs> you know, it was just right. different. It was different. And, yeah. and it actually it actually took me a really, really long time to even, I wouldn't say really long time. It took me a solid six months after, after we decided to dissolve that second business. It took me like six months to even get fully the courage up to be like, okay, I'm going to start a business and it's just going to be me. It's going to be mine and it's going to be all on me. And I'm going to have to fit like that was, it was hard to take that step for sure. Um, but this, like, I'm, I am like massively passionate about having support and I've all, I always have mm-hmm. a coach of some kind, probably mm-hmm. more than one, uh, at any given point in, in business. And I was really fortunate to have someone, her name's Anna Rapp, who she was like, look, you, you can do this. You just need to do it. You need to do it. You don't need to like, you don't need to find somebody else to help you do this. You can do it by yourself. You just need to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. But that was the hardest part, I think, about starting this third business. Yeah. And we'll dive into that in a little bit. Um, I'm curious why you start, why you decided to dissolve the coaching business, predominantly Mm. because in the time frame that 
you guys started it, you know, I think that it's like the perfect time to have started a business like that. Because if we were to fast forward now, looking at everyone, like I think the market back then was so not saturated as it is now, right? (laughs) So you could have gotten a lot of traction had you stayed with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think there's a couple, a couple reasons. Um, one, one is that I was finding that I was really not fully aligned with being a coach. I was having a lot of resistance around that. I was not enjoying it. I didn't like being called a coach. And this was part of the struggle too, after like, as I was going into this business that I'm in now is like, I didn't want to be a coach and I, I couldn't figure out a way to get around it. I was like, yeah, okay. Calling mm-hmm. myself a mentor sounds like the same thing. Like, you know, I just, I didn't like it. And I actually didn't even think in the moment when we were, when we were working with clients, I was like, I don't, I'm not a coach. Like, I don't want to, this isn't what I want to do. And so uh, we were just having, I was having a hard time with that. Um, and it's yeah. not that like we didn't feel like we could help people. It was just like, I don't enjoy this. I don't like being in this kind of role. And mm. and we can talk all about how that's evolved and how I look at that now. But um, it just wasn't feeling fully aligned. And I think we had we had very different, my, my co-founder Cassie and I had very different visions for what we wanted to do with it and also very different bandwidths. And I was kind mm. of seeing that I was getting to the point where I was like, I'm ready to go all in on something. I'm ready to like work 40, mm-hmm. 60 hours a week consistently to like build something massive. And when you're mm-hmm. in a partnership, that has to be matched in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't in a point in her life. I was still, I didn't have kids, you know, yeah. uh, when we started that business and she had three. And so it was, we were in very different places in our lives. And I was like, okay, well, we either are going to like ready we're both going to be ready to do the exact same thing or let's separate and like we can split this thing because we actually enjoy very different parts of this business so this actually is two businesses that we could easily split uh down the middle and and walk away with a ton of like of assets and ip and different things that we could split and we decided to do that and it was actually really beautiful the way that we did it and she still does that business under that brand. And I still use a ton of the IP, the the behind the scenes educational materials that we created for my business Mm -hmm. now. So that actually worked out and it was really, really cool that we were able to do that. Jordan's shift from business partnerships to a solo venture highlights an important aspect of entrepreneurial growth. Underscoring the evolution of confidence and business acumen over time, it's a powerful example of how entrepreneurs can grow from collaborative experiences and eventually feel ready to take on ventures independently. This is part one of my two-part conversation with Jordan Shonda King. To continue her story, be sure to tune in to part two later this week. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We couldn't have done it without the hard work and dedication of our amazing team. A special thanks to Kimberly and Brandon for their incredible scripting and quality checking skills. Andrew for his exceptional audio design and Addie for our outstanding graphics and marketing support. And of course, a huge thanks to our guests for sharing their passion and story with us today. 
Be sure to check out the show notes for an exclusive blog interview with our guest, as well as links to support them and their business. And don't forget to leave a review and share this podcast on your social media stories. We appreciate your support and can't wait to bring you more great content in the future. Thanks again for listening.